Hi, and welcome to the Did You Know Crypto podcast. I'm Dustin, your host. Today, I welcome Marco Pierboom to talk about Decred, a very, very cool project that seeks to build a better, more stable digital currency. And I first became aware of this in my interview with uh, Murad Mamadov, uh, and he mentioned Decred. He's a Bitcoin majoritarian, but Decred was the pretty much the only other project that he was interested in. So I started to do more research and I got really interested in it. And for the sake of transparency, I do actually own Decred now. I, I think you're going to find Decred's concepts and changes to the Bitcoin protocol and how they actually do things really intriguing to say the least. Now, if you'd like to help the podcast, please go to iTunes, leave a five-star and a written review. That's really the most important thing right now. It really, really helps. But if you'd like to do more, go to supportmypodcast.com. That's supportmypodcast.com to see all the ways that you can help from shopping through my Amazon link to downloading the Brave browser, which is the most secure and privacy-oriented browser on the internet. But most of all, I'd like to thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Today, I'd like to welcome Marco Piraboom, hacker, Twitter foodie, Decred new systems development lead and CTO of Company Zero. Marco, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So we kind of talked about this on DM and Twitter a little bit, and and you got tagged in that episode. But uh, you know, a month or so ago, when I had uh, Mirad Mamadov on, he was he called. We, we kind of got into Bitcoin maximalism and everything like that, and he actually called himself. Uh, I believe the term he used was Bitcoin majoritarian. But he, he mentioned that uh, there was one project uh, outside of Bitcoin that he was he had uh, uh, kind of passionately optimistic for, and and that was Decred. So you know I, I'd heard about Decred before, and I'd read a little bit about it, but you know kind of how it is in this space. There's so many different things to try to keep up with. Um, usually, it's it's when people that you know you, that you have a, a high degree of respect for you know, start talking about something is usually when your ears kind of go up. And that's kind of what caused me to do it. So I started to do some reading and start doing a little bit more deep diving on it. And, uh, you know, I wanted to talk to you about the project. But uh, before we actually go into Decred, I was wondering if you want to talk about your background, you know, kind of how did you get from um, from wherever you were to, you know, the as you know, your lead in was, you know, hacker to, you know, Bitcoin and, and now CTO company zero. Um, so, uh, I'm actually a double E, uh, with a software problem. So, so I've never acted on my double E-ness, uh, not really, uh, only more for hobby stuff and uh, a little bit at Dell. I was there for many, many years. So I worked there and I held just about every engin- engineering position there. And then at one point I decided that, uh, you know, it was time to do something different. And, um, in a familiar name for folks that know Decred, uh, so Jake Yoakampayat and I started a company, um, and it was called Conformal Systems. What we did there is we created a product called Cyphertite. And it was an online uh, secure backup solution. So it was very heavy on crypto. Um, and, you know, so that is how we got, you know, where we where I really started working full time uh, on a crypto product. 
So uh, in my spare time, I always worked on an open source project called OpenBSD. Uh, and that was basically writing operating system code. And I did many, many things in there. So um, whenever I had an itch, I scratched it. So, and, and from there, uh, you know, Cyphertite was a, again, you know, crypto based. And from there we rolled into Bitcoin related stuff and then eventually into Decred. So what is uh, Decred exactly? I mean, I, I've, you know, like I said, I've, I've started to do some research and then uh, as well as for, uh, you know, just openness and transparency, I do actually own Decred now. But uh, just for everybody that hasn't, you know, been exposed to it, doesn't have any idea what it is, uh, if you could kind of give us the the kind of deep overview of it and then we'll kind of start to delve in on the more of the specifics here. So... Um... So I, I want to first mention that we are pretty familiar uh, with Bitcoin because we actually hacked out a Bitcoin implementation called BTCD, uh, still very widely used, beautiful code base. Um, and so once when, when we did that, so when we started hacking on BTCD and we put it out there, it was not received uh, with the enthusiasm we were expecting. Um, so the lines had been drawn in the sand at that point, And apparently when we showed up with software, that was not, you know, quote unquote, theirs. Uh, we rocked the boat a little bit. So um, as open source developers, we found that very puzzling. It's like, what's going on here, right? We are giving you a beautiful code base and why are you guys not, not happy? So what we noticed that very early on was that there was some sort of, you know, resistance toward, towards, you know, other, uh, you know, other factions, if you will, that were developing in the space. So what happened there is that we decided that um, Bitcoin is gorgeous and beautiful and, uh, and we love it, but it needed an iteration. So we iterated on Bitcoin and, uh, and what we added to it is a governance layer. And with that governance layer, what we uh, wanted to achieve is longevity. So invariably in the future, something is going to change, something is going to break, and then you need to be able to, to deal with that. And with our governance layer, we are able to we are going to be able to deal with, you know, uh, what Donald Rumsfeld called unknown unknowns. So we, we have a formal change mechanism and change process to deal with protocol um, and consensus changes. So would you call, uh, I mean, as far as for Decred's uh, stated goal, because, uh, you know, what Bitcoin's uh, goal is, I guess it can kind of depend on exactly who you're talking to, uh, whether it's someone from the kind of more maximalist BTC camper or, or the um, BCH, BSV crowd, it can have different things. But there, there's a stark difference between what Ethereum is trying to do, although they have started to change a little bit, and what Bitcoin is trying to do. So what is what is Decred's kind of mission statement and, and what are they trying to accomplish? So Decred is money. That is really the way we look at it. So we, it is a store of value. It's, you know, uh, all, all the familiar words of people that talk, you know, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies are familiar with. That is what we are, achieve, uh, you know, are trying to achieve is, is being uh, decentralized money, actually, and hence the name Decred for decentralized credits. And as we all know, credits is money in the, you know, in any science fiction book that you read. And uh, what's kind of uh, the the thesis of Decred as far as for, um, I mean, you state that you're you're you want to be money. Are you seeking, as uh, probably what you know the big blockers would be looking to do, which is to become a medium of exchange before store of value, or are you looking that Decred's first use case is store of value as well, or kind of a uh, doing the same thing at the same time? I guess a hybrid mix of the two. Well, so. 
so the, the thing is that what I want to caution here is that what I'm saying here is obviously my opinion. So the, the beauty of having a governance layer is that everybody gets to decide, uh, so every stakeholder gets to decide where, where this is going in the future. So I see it as a store of value first uh, and then as a means of exchange. That, that is my uh, point of view. But since the stakeholders have started voting on, on new things, uh, we'll see what happens in the future. Right? We'll see where they guide the network. Just to kind of dive right into that with with the idea of stakeholders. So uh, most people who are listening should be somewhat uh, aware of the you know the concept of what you know the difference between proof of work and proof of stake. Uh, Decred's you know a hybrid of those two systems. So it, would you uh, mind kind of going into what that hybrid is, uh, and why you guys decided to choose, or why Decred decided to use that hybrid system versus? you know, pure proof of work or pure proof of, proof of stake and why you think that your system, uh, the Decred system with the hybrid is superior to just a purist on either side? Um, so I think it's pretty obvious from anybody who has written code uh, that both proof of work and proof of stake have uh, uh, have some, some, I don't want to use the word vulnerability here, but they, they are weak in certain areas. So proof of work, for example, can very easily be uh, be forked. Um, proof of stake can easily be manipulated. So so they are not good solutions for the the problem. So this is a little bit controversial. I understand that because some folks, you know, uh, call proof of you know fork splitting governance, and uh, so opinions are divided on that. And, and you know, I recognize that. But what we were trying to achieve is to make a coin that is fork resistant so that once a vote is taken that you not necessarily splinter the community. So in, and because there is a formal way of doing this, so you, you as a stakeholder get to vote on what happens next and therefore uh, hoping that the, you know, the psychology remains in a, in a place that, okay, I lost the vote, but I still you know, like the project, right? Something along those lines. So that being fork resistant also does mean that it would be exceedingly hard to actually fork uh, the project or sorry the, the the blockchain and then start doing different things there. So that's what we're trying to do here, right? So we're just trying to uh, be accommodating for the stakeholders and um, you know and, and provide them with with input, so give them a, a means to have input into what happens next. Yeah, I, I, I once Murad kind of was talking about how it, how it functioned. Um, I, I was very much intrigued because, uh, you know, the the concept of because you guys just just to make sure that I have this correct as well, that you still have proof of work miners that operate just like they would on, on Bitcoin. Correct. But then you also have a, a stakeholder system that gets to decide uh, they, or they, they vote with their stake um, what happens on the system. So there's no way for someone on the proof of work side to just fork off. It's actually the stakeholders who get to decide, are they deciding everything? Are they deciding what code uh, gets merged like in GitHub and those types of things? Is um, it? Yeah, so let, let's let's first of all drive dive a little bit deeper into proof of work and proof of stake hybridization. So the way it works in Decred is, first of all, we actually split the block reward between the proof of work, proof of stake guys and the treasury. So the proof of work guys get 60%, the proof of stake guys get 30%, and the remaining 10% goes to the treasury. So that is enforced by consensus. So, um, and the reason the miners get the largest 
these are the pies because they are expending real energy, right? So they, they have some real costs that they need to cover. So we recognize that they needed to get the biggest piece of the pie because they are moving the most amount of work. So that said, um, the proof of stake guys have, uh, let's call it veto power over the proof of work miners. So if proof of work miners start misbehaving, the stakeholders can, uh, can prevent certain things from happening. So for example, if a miner starts mining empty blocks, we can, uh, or the stakeholders can start voting down the blocks from that miner saying, uh, this guy is misbehaving. We, we no longer want to accept his blocks. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, that kind of makes you guys resistant to something that uh, I've been kind of interested in, like Shark Pool, where they actually purposely go to mine empty blocks on chains to attack that specific proof of work chain. Right. So, and, and we would be very resistant to that uh, because obviously the stakeholders are not going to put up with that. They're going to say, yeah, no, nice try. We don't like you. Go away. You're not a good citizen in the, um, in the system. So also that said, the, the, so every block actually has five votes on it. And, and we have a permanent agenda, which is the one that determines if the prior block was valid. So if a miner blocks, you know, sorry, if a miner uh, mines a block, it actually has to call what we call the votes, right? And those votes are recorded on the blockchain. So if there are active agendas to actually change consensus or protocol, you can vote on that. But there's always the permanent one that says, uh, was the prior block valid? And, and with that, we can, you know, we can slap miners uh, you know, on the hand saying, stop being a bad boy. So we strip them of their awards. Turns out they don't love that. So... Um, and it also, we spent actually, when we were developing Decred, we spent a lot of time on incentive design. So we really tried to make sure that, uh, that you know, that everybody gets a fair shake at this. And if somebody is misbehaving, that they're going to be, uh, quote unquote, punished for it. So, for example, if a miner decides to only record three votes, they're only going to get uh, three-fifths of, um, of the reward of the block. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you only get your full reward if you have the five votes on your uh, on your block. So and with that, uh, you, you create, let's call it a, a set of desirable behavior. And so far, so good. Miners have been trying to behave that way because, you know, they like money. So with the uh, uh, proof of stake and, and the stakeholders, how does that exactly work? Uh, you're looking in the wallet right now. If I go into the Decred wallet to be able to stake your coins and be able to vote on proposals and all those sorts of things, uh, you have to buy a ticket. So if you could explain that process, how to, exactly does that work? So the idea here is that in order to be a stakeholder, you have to purchase a ticket, which gives you the privilege to vote. That is the, the idea here. So and the idea of the, the ticket purchase is really to tie up your money for the duration of your vote. So voting is gamified, and that means that uh, you don't know when you're going to be called. But when you are called, you need to react very, very quickly with your vote so that you can uh, you know, get your stake reward. So with that said, um, the, the um, where was I going with this? Um, so when you purchase a ticket, you actually spend, so at this, time, this time, point in time is about 107 decred. So you tie up the 107 decred for the duration. So on average, the vote takes 28 days. So let's roll with that. So you tie up your 170 cred for 28 days up until your vote. And then once it comes through, then you get refunded your ticket purchase price plus a portion of the block reward. And the way that block reward works, if you remember from the prior section, was that you, you know, the stakeholders get 30%. So there are five, blo- five votes per block. 
So that means you get one fifth uh, of the thirty percent uh, for from the from the block reward. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And and so basically, if I, if I get this right, uh, you don't quite know. Like, what's the so you, you purchase a ticket and then you don't quite know when you're actually going to be called um, uh, for this. D- is there some way to uh, warn you of this or do you just have to kind of monitor your wallet? So actually you have to be online and react within milliseconds, actually. So when I mean fast, I mean fast. So the reason it's that fast and, re- and required to be that fast is that you are, so the, the proof of work guys underneath it are, ferociously working on mining these blocks, right? So you need they need to put a block out as quickly as they they mine it, essentially. So therefore, it's got to be very, very quick. So uh, we understand that not everybody has, you know, the technical know-how or even, you know, the network, the, the network capacity to have uh, a machine online 24 hours a day and all that kind of good stuff, redundant, right? Because you don't want to lose the boats and all that kind of good stuff. So what we have is VSPs uh, or VPSs. Uh, what is it? Virtual uh, Vote Providers, or I, I even forget the acronym. But basically, these are people that are online 24 hours a day, and you uh, they vote for you by proxy. So uh, they get you give them a portion of your block rewards to them for the service, and then you don't have to maintain any um, uh, you know any infrastructure. And a lot of folks use them because it's much easier to deal with. And I imagine that in, in the future, uh, you there there'll be uh, infrastructure to be able to, you know, monitor and and uh, do this all yourself, kind of push button in a way. But for right now, it kind of reminds me a little bit if you remember the early days of eBay, uh, when you know you'd put up an item for sale, someone would buy it in the very very early days of eBay everyone thought like this is going to be rife with uh you know fraud and everything like that like i'm going to give you i'm going to send you 20 dollars uh you know via check in the mail or uh cuz that was even before paypal you know money order uh for a pair of boots and you're never going to send it i'm going to be out the money this is going to be a huge fiasco how is this going to work so a bunch of middlemen uh kind of popped up as a uh service for for a very actually crazily short period of time that um they would basically have the product sent to them. They would inspect it. They would have the money sent to them. They would verify that the money was there. And then if everything met both expectations, they would send it to the correct person. They would take, of course, a cut of the of the sale. But very quickly, um, as technology developed and as well as trust developed within the system, they were able to do it. It's not an apples to apples comparison, but it kind of reminds me that once the technology kind of develops to the point um, you'll be able to, and the, the Decred team will be able to kind of uh, automate this a lot uh, easier for individuals. Although I imagine that these virtual vote providers are kind of, uh, they're not charging you know extraordinary sums. They're, they're providing a service that obviously most people that are stakeholders are, are willing to pay for. Well, it's actually really, really cheap. So most of them charge like 1%. Uh, of, uh, of of what you bring in, so uh, so, but it's only of the 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 portion of your block reward, right? So it's it's really a minimal amount, and um, and I would venture to say that they're probably all losing money on providing the service. So um, no, so but you're right though. So the the um, we want, no, but we want to keep these guys around. They have provided a very valuable service, and uh, and 
it is not going to be for everybody to have you know machines online 24 hours a day. We have debated ways to make it easier for people to, to have that. So the first version was all very, very manual. It was very hard to do. So right now you can probably have voting infrastructure set up if you have a, a, you know, a proper admin within a couple of hours. So, but we have been debating uh, single push button solutions where you push a button, you, you select a cloud provider, and then a virtual machine is deployed that does the work for you. So we have been talking about that kind of stuff, but we have not made any formal plans to move into that direction. But, uh, you know, in classical uh, decred fashion, we are going to do whatever we can to remove middlemen. We will always uh, strive for that. So, and actually a thing that we didn't mention at all, and if, if, if I may, so another thing that Decred has been working on is a thing called the DEX. I don't know if you heard about that proposal. I, I read a little bit about it, yeah. So what the DEX is, is, uh, by the way, do you know that we are the ones that originated the atomic swap code that everybody is using and talking about? That is that is actually I, code that, that came from the Decred project. No, so, I, I, I did not. I did not uh, know that. Uh, just as a, a kind of a, a run-in before we, you know, we go into that, uh, some people may not understand uh you, you don't need to go like into deep detail but what exactly uh is an atomic swap so that people kind of have an idea of of you know kind of how important that is so actually i think that atomic swaps are probably one of the most exciting things that have happened in the you know the last two years in in um you know in the virtual currency space so what atomic swaps are is the ability to trustless uh without escrow uh, exchange uh, value between uh, two blockchains, so two different blockchains. And the very first one that was executed that I'm aware of was Decred to Litecoin. So um, so one of our developers in Charlie Lee, uh, they exchanged uh, Litecoin for, uh, for Decred. And that was obviously very exciting. And actually, honestly, I think that people should be dancing naked out in the streets because this uh, removes the need for the exchange middlemen so obviously with some caveats, right? Because it's not as fast as, you know, uh, you know a, a, a solution like, uh, I don't know, Cryptopia that you mentioned earlier. So, but, but Cryptopia, you do have to, uh, they are the custodians of your, um, if your cryptocurrency and, you know, they have been hacked recently and they're still trying to come back. So, but with atomic swaps, you and I can decide on a price and then we can execute it, uh, you know, and again, permissionless. So nobody can stop us from doing this. Trustless. I mean, I don't have to trust you. So if your or any part of the agreement uh, is incorrect, it's going to not go through. So if everybody executes everything right, then there is a atomic swap, as in uh, it is non-reversible and happens on both ends uh, uh, on both blockchains. So in other words, I you know we could exchange Decred and Bitcoin right now without you know any middlemen. So, uh, and with that building block, we have been thinking about, uh, so how do we bring this to the masses? Because it's pretty technical right now. It's a command line utility, it's hard to use, but it's super cool. So we have been working on an idea on basically uh, creating a decentralized exchange where, um, where there is a order book and therefore price discovery. And then people can basically say, hey, I wanna sell this Decred for you know, that amount of Bitcoin and then they put it up. And if somebody is interested, then they can pick up that order or they can pick up, yeah, pick up that order and then execute it. Does that make sense? No, no. Yes, definitely. So and, and what that will do is it will basically, um, it, it does a couple of things because it is atomic swaps. It's slow. And, you know, people might say, oh, that's not good. No, that is great because it actually also destroys 
the whole, you know, high frequency trading, which is detrimental to any system. So, and you can exchange at your leisure, you know, with, with other folks. And um, so I think that that is going to be very exciting for, uh, for the virtual currency uh, space because, you know, people will, ha- will, will be able to get rid of, get, you know, get rid of one more of those middlemen. Because I've, I've always been kind of fascinated with the, with the concept of, of uh, the decentralized exchange. Um, you know, bit shares and all that kind of stuff was kind of interesting to me. Um, although that's kind of fallen flat, but I, I don't know. Dan Larimer's projects seem to kind of do that. Um, yeah. Well, so actually, the thing to realize there, and um, so the thing that 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 we are doing differently is that this is atomic swaps and not with a token in the middle, right? Yeah. There is no, uh, you know, there there's no ripple <laughs> in the middle. There's no zero uh, X, right? There's no, that, that, that's the entire point, right? Yeah. Because if you have a token in the middle, you are not decentralized. You are just another middleman, you know, because your token now has value and it needs to be monetized. And, and the Degra Dex is, is going to be not monetizable. That's actually the point. And and when do you, um, when do you guys feel like that's going to be, I mean, obviously it's going to be a little bit in the future, but when do you feel that that's going to start getting kind of launched into beta? Um, that's, that's really hard to say. So yeah. all this stuff is really hard and we move at development speed and not at, uh, you know, uh, expectations. Speed. No, no, absolutely. I don't, I don't think, uh, I, yeah, I think that this, this space is so rife with, uh, uh, over, uh, over promises and, yep. so uh, hurry up under and wait. delivery. Yeah. And again, what I got to say to, to that is hurry up and wait. Uh, with the treasury system, the kind of, you know, you mentioned, that sixty percent goes to the miners, thirty percent goes to the uh, to the stakeholders, and then uh, I wanted to go over the stakeholders here in just a minute. But with the treasury system, I've always kind of been intrigued by this concept because uh, the because it, it's a DAO, correct? A decentralized autonomous organization. It, no, oh, it's not, not quite okay. yet. We're working very hard to get there. Oh, okay. So I, I can go into a lot of detail there because I'm actually actively working on on that proposal to put out there. So that people can see what we are, what our next step is going to be in that direction. So, actually, if you want to, why don't you explain how the treasury system works right now? The ten percent reward, how that works currently, and then uh, why don't you go into your proposal, how you envision this to work in the future? Okay, so first, I think we need to make sure that we explain what governance means. Um, so, the, the there's really two pillars of governance in, in blockchain projects. So one of them is for uh, consensus and protocol changes. So that's a uh, that's a basically a vote to, to change the rules. And then there's votes that uh, are meant to uh, do some signaling or treasury disbursement. So um, so we got to make sure that when we when your listeners are, are you know uh, when we go through these, this conversation that we that we differentiate between voting for consensus and voting for uh, treasury spends. So, because those those are two different things, even though they leverage uh, a lot of the same voting infrastructure, they are and they ha- are different things, and they have uh, you know different incentive structures. So, for example, voting on treasury spends does not reward you. So that's what you do in order to move propel the network forward, and you know uh, and see what happens next. So you only get rewarded for voting on on the blockchain. Does that make sense? So we just got to keep these two things apart and make sure that the listeners uh, know which one we're talking about. No, no, that makes sense. So, um, 
So that said, the way the treasury currently works is, um, as you mentioned, 10% of the block reward goes to this treasury. It's, it's actually baked into consensus. And it goes to this one address, and it just has been sitting there accumulating. And we have accumulated a lot of decred over the last couple of years um, because, you know, we, we are pretty frugal. So we have never, you know, had giant boat parties and, uh, you know, and wasted all our money. So, so... With that, we have basically a pile of money to use to for developments and uh, you know uh, in travel and you know conferences and sponsorships, whatever we want to do with it. It's just sitting there, and we we can spend that. So the way you get to spend that as an outsider uh, is you write a proposal in our uh, you know on, on our website it's called Politeia. So it's actually proposals.decred.org for the folks that want to go look at it. And there's actually a couple of active proposals right there right now. So, but what you do there is that you basically write a mini business plan. You say, I'm going to do this work and I estimate it's going to cost this amount of, uh, you know, money, actual money. And then that gets translated then into, uh, into Decred. So, uh, so you can literally show up with a good idea and get paid for doing work on, you know, for Decred. And, and so this is kind of very similar to um, at least the concept of, of the Dash. Somewhat. Uh, the, so yeah. Um, so Dash uh, pays up front, and it's very expensive to do a proposal. Um, Decred is very cheap to do a proposal, and it's paid arrears. So uh, so you got to do some work first before you're going to start getting paid. So it, uh, maybe I was not aware because I've never done a Dash proposal. But you, you're saying that you actually have to the propose the person proposing actually has to pay up front, or so in order to to have, to create a proposal, you have to actually put up some some Dash. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, so okay. that there's that, and then but also the payments then become quote unquote automatic, right? Um, unless they get um, defunded for whatever reason. So, but if somebody gets a proposal through and they would not do any work on it, and then that you know that Dash would have disappeared. At least that last time I looked, that's how it worked. So it could have changed at this point. So I, I don't want to uh, I don't want to rag on them. Uh, I think that they have a great okay. project as well. So uh, so, but but that's my, the, uh, the depth of my knowledge of how they are doing things. Yeah, with Dash is that they kind of really built up quite a bit of infrastructure uh, and a permanent team um, that that kind of operates almost as if a company. I mean, granted, it is at the you know discretion of 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 the voters on the system whether or not that continues but i I remember reading you know kind of in the depths of the bear market um uh, you know in in 2018 that i remember there there was talk of if if dash hit a certain point that they wouldn't be able to stay solvent any longer with with the with the the team or the company, whatever you want to call it, that was operating at that time. Is there kind of a similar, I know you guys said that you guys are much more frugal, but is there a similar, similar friction point with the permanent, uh, you know, team and, and, and uh, developers that are working on there where if Decred falls to a certain point, it'll become difficult or, or, uh, in, uh, you know, unable to continue to, to fund the current level. Um... So actually, the other day, there was an article that came out where uh, apparently Dash has started laying off quite a bit of their workforce because they, uh, they are having uh, solvency issues. It's a shame, but, um, but, but that's happening there. So, uh, and that is really the last thing I'm going to say about, about Dash here. But, um, so what Decred has done and always has done is that we have always been, try- we have always been trying to use Decred to pay for development 
and uh, and other expenses, you know, like going to conferences and that kind of stuff. And before we ever went to any one of those things, we did, you know, we did spend quite a bit of time vetting them, uh, making sure that, you know, it was a good bang for the buck. Um, and we never really um, started spending more uh, once the, the, you know, the, the bull market appeared. We just uh, stayed pretty, um, pretty much the same, pr- pretty level on the amount of expenditures. So um, developers come and go, right? That's, that's inherent to the open source system. So the, the costs that we had in 2016 are not very different from the costs that we have in 2018 or in 2017. And at the current pricing, uh, Decred has, uh, can go on indefinitely. So, and, and only if we lose another 50% is when we, we, at that point, we start digging into the treasury. And the treasury has quite a bit of Decred in it. So, um, so does that somewhat answer your question? So we, we are, so at this point, we're still accumulating every month at the current price levels. And only if we drop another 50% is when we are not accumulating. And if we drop below that is when we actually start digging into the, uh, you know, in, into the reserves. No, okay, I understand. Uh, it, it You kind of went over this as well a little bit already when you're talking about your proposal for how the uh, uh, the, the DAO would, would function. But uh, I know that in, in the future with the, with the proposals, um, from what I was reading and, and when I was kind of doing a little bit, you know, obviously a little bit more research in, in, into how, how it's, um, going to be working is that, so if I made the proposal, right. Uh, and, and, um, the proposal got approved, that would create what you guys, uh, you know, call a decentralized autonomous entity, correct? Uh, so and again, then, we are not quite there yet. Yeah. You know, I meant, I, I was just trying to get into, you know, how you expect that to work in, in, um, in accordance with the, with the DAO and, you know, the kind of the, 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 the steps of the evolution uh, that that would need to become kind of more uh, you know, automatic right. with, with the DA. Well, so, so uh, currently at the end of a vote, there is a person that actually uh, does the treasury expense, right? So uh, people wrote the proposal, uh, stuff work, worked. So there's somebody actually auditing the, uh, the work, uh, and then at the end of the day, uh, sends that that other entity uh, decred. Does that make sense? So we yes. are actually yeah. uh, we have a corporation for that. It's called the DHG, the Decred Holding Group, and their entire point is to uh, is to be that guy at the end of the, the the line. So that is obviously very undesirable because there's a a person that has access to that. Uh, and we, we don't want that, right, for, for multiple reasons, right? So we don't want that person to be coerced. We don't want that person to leave. So we very much want to move on from that and, and start moving the system to a fully automated uh, system. So that said, we also are pretty realistic that this is a hard problem to solve and um, will take some time and uh, probably will take several steps before we, uh, we are, you know, um, before we are comfortable releasing the entire uh, treasury fund, because the treasury fund right now is, I think is sitting at about $20 million. So that's quite a significant amount of cash that we just don't want to, you know, uh, put at risk. No, definitely not. And, and especially now uh, we're, when we're kind of in a depressed market, it's not something that you want to be um, doing at the moment either. But no, I, I, I really admired uh, the fact that you guys, uh, when I was reading more about the project that, 
you kind of just kind of kept your heads down in, in 2017 and just kind of kept on going. And like you said, you weren't throwing big parties with Snoop Dogg and, and, uh, and not that every single project did that, but it, it was kind of ubiquitous for, for a period to kind of see this, this, this excess. Um, well, but... I, I went to those parties, but I wasn't paying yeah. for those parties. <laughs> no, but, but we, no. we also felt that, um, honestly, we felt that we did not have enough work done in order to, uh, to act out. We've, and, and that's actually one of the things that, that, that we actually get criticized for is why are you guys not out there doing all these extra things that everybody else is doing is, well, we, we honestly didn't feel that we were ready uh, to have, you know, the whole world show up. So there was still code to be written uh, so that we could handle an influx and, you know, and deal with, uh, you know, again, with the unknown unknowns, right, at a time. Hey folks, I hope that you're enjoying this episode as much as we are. I don't have any sponsors, so if you could go over to supportmypodcast.com, you'll see all the different ways that you can support the podcast from Amazon links to a bunch of other stuff. You could back us on Bitback or with crypto. But most of all, if you can go to iTunes and leave a five-star and a written review, it'd be very, very helpful. So thanks again, and enjoy the rest of the show. And I, I guess I kind of forgot at the very beginning to to ask uh, just kind of the basics of Decred. Like, what is the, uh, you know, what is the, the transaction times, you know, rough transaction costs, um, you know, uh, you know, how often does a block produce, that kind of stuff that kind of would let people know using that as a money, uh, how, uh, and this kind of leads into another question, but just on the uh, on the base layer, you know, how, how fast is it and, and how easy is it to spend that? Um, so it's, uh, it's five minutes instead of 10 uh, compared to Bitcoin. Um, and then the rest is, is pretty much the same. So our uh, transaction fees are actually relatively low. Um, man, I never know the number. So we actually lowered an order of magnitude actually not that long ago. So it's, it's relatively cheap to, to send uh, Decred. And, you know, it's every five minutes. And obviously we are working on solutions to... Uh, to increase that speed, if you will, just the transaction speed, not not the blocks. The blocks are going to remain static as they are. And if uh, Decred, let's just say, um, started to receive the same volume that Bitcoin did, you know, back uh, what was it, uh, late summer, fall of 2017, would you be experiencing the same level of, of fees? Um, to do on-chain transactions. So the market would dictate that that would be true. Um, so, but in our case, we would have a, because we have our governance layer, we could actually do something about it. So at that point, we could come up with uh, solutions to that problem. And, uh, you know, something can range from making the block bigger to uh, uh, to increasing the you know, block frequency, just making this up. Right, so we have options here. So when when something bad like that happens, we we can start working on solutions to make that go away. Whereas in Bitcoin, they just and, have to sit it out, right? Yeah, and 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 argue as well till you got to to a point where where people you know decided to to fork off, right? And and decide you know go go their separate ways. Um, you know, I talked about Murad about a little bit about that. Is that I do kind of I I like as far as for continuity of the chain, I like this idea of that, you know, it's fork resistant. Um, I do kind of like philosophically the idea of a fork because 
the fork allows people, and I know people could if they really wanted to. Um, I mean, if they could just copy the code base and create their own. Well, that would not, not be the same blockchain, though. Sure, and yeah, Hcash yeah. has done that, right? They have taken our code, and uh, tragically enough, they have removed actually our copyrights from most of it, which is the the real tragedy here. I mean, if you take your code, at least say thank you, right? But um, but forking the code is not the same as forking the chain. Yeah, no, no, of course, and but like the the idea of forking, though, I've always you know, philosophically liked it is just kind of a, a, a thought experiment on how to approach disagreements, not just in, you know, blockchains, but as society as a whole, this idea of being able to go your own separate ways, you know, basically in a peaceful manner and letting the market dictate well, about, um, but, who um, has a better idea. While I philosophically agree with what you just said there, I think that reality has shown to be a little bit different there. Right, so when Bitcoin Cash happened, it was pretty acrimonious. Yeah, I cannot pronounce that word. Um, but it, it, it acrimonious. Yeah, that was the word I was trying to pronounce. Sorry, <laughs> my Dutchness is not allowing me to pronounce that word. No, that's fine. Um, so, but that that created a lot of uh, unease and it created a lot of um, you know confused people. Uh, folks did not understand what was going on. Um, so even though. I, I agree with, um, you know, I, I no, let me rephrase that. I understand why Roger said, you know what, I'm going to go create my own sandbox, screw this noise. Uh, I, I'm thinking, you know, I'm going home, right? So I, I get that part. I, I completely understand. But, um, but then the fact that he went on and started to uh, marketing, you know, doing marketing pushes to say Bitcoin Cash is Bitcoin and then confusing people that they thought that were buying Bitcoin, but they were really buying Bitcoin Cash. So I, I thought that was very disingenuous. And I think that that actually hurt uh, the cryptocurrency space overall hurt the cryptocurrency space. I don't think that was a healthy, uh, you know, a healthy outcome. So, um, so again, I, I, I kind of see it both ways here. And, and, uh, you know, going back to the 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 discussion of, of transaction fees is that I thought I'd read somewhere that Decred already kind of has a second layer lightning network already. Is is, is that true? Um, so that is not completely true. Uh, we have been working on lightning for quite a while and we have not delivered it yet. It's a bit of a black eye, actually, because that was supposed to be done quite a while back, but it turned out to be a bit more uh, challenging. Um so what we try to accomplish there is to take the Lightning Network as it exists, uh, written by Lightning Labs, and only modify, uh, sorry, create kind of a, uh, a middleware layer, if you will, that translates between Bitcoin and Decred. Does that make sense? So Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. So in other words, you can keep most of the code, like 99 or even or 98% of it the same, and you only have this one touch point where you have to uh, maintain all the changes. So you keep all the network topology stuff, right? Which is really hard to get right. So, um, so but like I said, that has been a bit of a bear to, you know, to wrestle to the ground. Um, we, in fact, actually have made several uh, changes to consensus in order to enable all the functionality needed to do Lightning. So it's not for a lack of not wanting it. It's just uh, been a bit of a tough slog, but, uh, but something will happen in the future out there. No, and and uh, just the, the 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 whole world of second layer is just so early, and it's just uh, I I think that you know as a community, and especially the longer that you've been involved in this, the 
uh, I, and I have a major issue of it too, is, is kind of having a lack of patience of going like, okay, you know, especially I'm kind of going on, I've, I've been aware of Bitcoin for seven years. I've not been, um, you know, insanely, you know, passionate about it for seven years. It took me a while to really kind of understand it. Right. Right. Uh, but where you kind of go like, you know, it's been years, like, you know, and you kind of go like this should have happened by now. And also, but on the flip side, you you need to realize that we're not talking about, you know, creating the next app that's going to overtake Snapchat. We're talking about, you know, a revolution that's going to be upsetting basically thousands of years of, of the concept of what money is and, and how it works. A lot of the foundations and, and fundamentals are the same, or not foundations, but the fundamentals of, of money are the same, right? But the way that we look at it and the way that it affects society and the way that we actually use it and have power over it as individuals versus it being um, given to us by, by another authority uh, it is, is nothing short of, of, you know, amazing kind of historically. And sometimes I have to stop and think to myself, you know, this is, uh, this, this is not something that's going to, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, so to speak. And, the, you know, we're not going to be able to do that. And with, with second layer as well, you know, we've been talking about it and we're just barely into what a year of, of, of testing of it. Um, I do have some, some concerns about, um, some of the aspects of it, but, but overall I'm, I'm excited really to see anything, uh, that, that is going to make things cheaper and easier for people, but to, to roll in with, um, uh, to, as far as for decred in, in Bitcoin, right. And I had a, uh, you know, kind of shift gears into, into something, I guess, slightly controversial, but I had an interview, uh, with, um, um, some folks, uh, from, from lightning, or I had an interview with a gentleman, uh, not from lightning, from Litecoin and their kind of concept in, in Litecoin seems to be that they are kind of the, the sandbox and test bed for a lot of stuff that ends up going into Bitcoin and they see themselves as complementary, not really as a competitor. How does Decred you know, view Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies? Do you see them as competitors or what is the, the thought process? I, I understand you can't speak for the project as a whole, but I guess I'm more asking, where do you see specifically? Um, so I am a, you know, uh, so what, just like Murad said, I'm a, uh, <laughs> I'm a, I'm not a maximalist. I do believe that there's going to be room for uh, several. So, uh, but I, I am a shitcoin minimalist though. So, um, so I think that a lot of these projects actually make no sense whatsoever, and they it would be better for the space for them to just go away. Um, but I recognize that people are going to try and experiment with things. Uh, but uh, but again, I think that overall, a lot of this stuff is nonsense. And 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 I think ten years from now, there's going to be a very small number of cryptocurrencies that exist today that that will remain in existence. So uh, I do think that Decred is going to be one of the very few. And and again, that the whole governance thing is is what's going to buy us that longevity, right? Because we will be able to alter course and deal with whatever is thrown at us. So so I honestly think that Decred is going to be one of the very few that's going to still be standing, you know, decades from now. Yeah, no, uh, if you would ask me, it's kind of funny just seeing my own genesis on, on the subject. I, I, I've talked about this before, so I won't belabor it for people to listen, but I, I started back in 2013. I, I, I bought a, like I made two, six GPU mining rigs and I was mining Litecoin. And, you know, at, at that time also there was a bunch of alts, although people don't really call them altcoins anymore as much. 
Uh, but you know, you, you would jump on these new altcoins as they would get released and you dump them out on cryptopia or whatever junk exchange was out there and you trade it out for Bitcoin. But, uh, there, there was so much stuff out there. I wasn't really taking any, I was attracted to the politics of Bitcoin, but I started to, uh, even at that time, start to get a little bit caught up in the, uh, I, I guess the bonanza um of of you know 20 2013 2014 we really kind of saw that that pump just like we saw in 2017 even in 2017 uh I, I kind of had a very open mind's a bad uh way to describe it but i was just kind of like you know laissez faire with the idea of like well you know whatever and everything should be you know is a valid coin and project and if they fail the market will determine it and i i've really started to shift quite severely, um, as I think you see quite a few people do. And I'm willing to admit I was really wrong on a lot of different projects that uh, I've started to realize as I understand what blockchain really is uh, and that it's not the panacea to solving all the world's problems. It's not um, still not curing cancer. No. And it's, you know, it, you know, when I started to look at, well, you know, it could do this and logistics and all this kind of stuff. And when I actually started to understand a lot better actually nuts and bolts what makes blockchain or you know what makes bitcoin as a blockchain important versus just a permission system uh per se uh within within the corporate world is it's a lot of ways it's a really inefficient ledger uh but what really is you know is what it's securing worth the amount of energy expended to secure it right sure so it uh, depends on what kind of system you're running but yeah I've, I've kind of started to move really heavily in that that same direction that you're talking about, like a shitcoin minimalist. Yeah, so, um, so actually, I've had a so let, let me. I mean, I've been in this space for for literally since the dawn of time. So, um, so I'm familiar. I love it, right? But, but, and I also I got to say, I was a bit of a, a cheerleader early on as well for certain things that were happening. Um, but I think that I've become a bit a bit more of a cynic because it's been years and all these promises uh, have not been kept. And there's been a lot of folks working on this stuff. So, um, so either the uh, the hype cannot live up to the promises, or these people are not smart enough to solve some of these problems. So, and, and I think that uh, more folks have kind of matured on that. Um, so, I mean, what what Bitcoin did, right, is they they created a means to exchange uh, value. Uh, without you know permissionless without without all the parties we we all know the, the the stories here right but what it what it actually solved was uh digital bearer bonds right so i can show up and uh, and hand you you know coupons and then those coupons have value and then the recipient of those coupons can then do whatever they want with those coupons right so they are the the holders of the value does it make sense yeah that is no, the exactly. actual thing that uh, blockchain solved, right? Distributed blockchain solved. And if you veer away from uh, from digital, you are you. It's kind of game over, right? So if you try to tie anything real world to digital bearer bonds, it may not make sense, right? So, for example, uh, real estate on the blockchain. What does that, what does that mean? So, real estate already has a very uh, well-defined uh, legal framework around it. And you can put whatever you want on the blockchain. That legal framework is not beholden to what's on, what's on that blockchain, right? 
So dealing in the real world means you're going to be dealing with local laws and the end, it stops right there. So what is the point, right? So that is kind of where I have been heading with my thoughts on this, right? So, so it's got to be digital. If it is not digital, then it just makes not a lot of sense. No, it, it, yeah, I've I've struggled with that because I was really attracted to the idea of like you know land titling, um, those sorts of things. But then you start to think of like how do you actually attach the two? You don't, um, right? So because like if I ended up somehow coming across your private key, um, and the same I guess works for you know Bitcoin as well. But excuse me, if I you know was able to gain title or or uh, uh, gain possession of that digital title. Do I now, even though you're living in that house right now, wherever you're at, do I now actually own that? Sure. Even though you're living there, you've lived there for 20 some odd years, but somehow I was able to gain title to that. How do you t attach that? And then I start to have issues with that. I do kind of like the idea a little bit, but then it becomes like, you don't really need a blockchain for that. Well, you again, you already a, have a legal framework a, for that, right? Yeah. No, I, I like, I remember just buying the house uh, when we did, year, uh, you know, a few years ago. And just going like, it's, it was kind of ridiculous to me to go like, okay, we need to go through title and need to pay this company. It's not a lot, but you know, it's like four or 500 bucks or whatever it is to make sure nobody has a claim on it. It seems like, shouldn't that already be already in a system pretty easily, you know, inaccessible. It's just, I think the more the issue is this, a lot of stuff isn't digitized or it's digitized and not easily accessible oh, I, I you know, from county to county to county. I, I think I'm a bit um, more cynical on that. I think it's more uh, a convenient money grab that is going to be very hard to break. So, um, so I don't. I, I honestly think that that's purely uh, status quo, right? So, if all these rent seekers need to be paid, and that's why getting uh, figuring out if somebody has, you know, owns the title is, is one of those things. Like getting your um, your your transcripts from a university that that should cost literally zero dollars. Yet they charge hundreds <laughs> yeah. of dollars yeah. for it, right? It's, it, that's that is basically the status quo. Uh, you know, the rent seekers, you know, trying to fight as hard as they can to retain their, um, you know, their claim on, on a piece of the pie. So, but, but that will not be solved with blockchain though. Sorry. No, no. Uh, and, and that, that, that's kind of one of those realities that, that it took me a while to, cause I got caught up in it and I'll readily admit that, that I, uh, I did do that. And, and, uh, just like, you know, the, the journey of, of, you know, learning about Bitcoin, how this stuff really works is always usually fraught with, hopefully you're, you learn the lessons earlier rather than later. Uh, but uh, the, I guess the important thing is actually learn the lessons and put them into, into play. Um, and I know that uh, I, I don't want to keep you late because I know that you, you've got uh, other things that you need to be getting done tonight um uh because we are recording in the evening you know most people probably be listening in the mornings and afternoons uh but was there anything that you wanted to leave the listeners with uh about decred uh you know any any parting you know thoughts on it and uh just why they should you know check it out um why they should consider it to be you know a a, a good long-term uh investment or a good long-term uh, thing that they should be using for for transfer of value um, well, so actually, first off, I think I really would like to point out that 20, uh, 2019 is actually going to probably be one of the biggest uh, code-wise. So we have several very large uh, changes coming up. Um, cannot disclose right now what they are, but I 
imploring your listeners to to keep an eye on Decred, keep an eye on, on Twitter, and see what's happening. But there are some really large, uh, large-scale deployments that are going to happen with Decred. So there's a lot of excitement in the development community because this is the stuff that we were working on when everybody was partying. So, and some of this stuff is now finally coming to fruition. And, you know, so we are, we are excited as, as developers to, you know, see the, you know, the, the baby grow up, if you will. So uh, the one thing that I can talk about is the, um, uh, is, is the, that I'm working on, uh, on, on, on automating the treasury payments. So that is going to be a very interesting system where, uh, where we are going to remove, we're actually at that point, once it's all done, we are actually going to dissolve the, the DHG, and we are going to donate uh, the current treasury funds to the new treasury, which we actually we have dubbed the DAE, because the you know the DAO has a bit of a negative connotation, so we came up with the you know, decentralized autonomous entity. Um, so that is uh, that is one of the things that is going to happen. So th- there's a lot of coolness there, right? Because that means that the funds and that the project disburses are going to be decentralized and the stakeholders actually get to decide uh, who gets paid, right? So if you think that company zero, so the ones that uh, the company that I work for that works full-time on Decred, if you think that we suck, then you guys can actually vote us out. Um, and, and I think that's exciting. I'm very excited to see how that is going to uh, work itself out. Um, so what else do I want to give you guys? Uh, so the wallet that we have developed, the Crediton, so that started out and it was, you know, and then people complained and a guy on, on Reddit wrote a very ugly review on how terrible it was. And then, but we really took that to heart and we've actually, uh, we spend a lot of time uh, massaging the, uh, the wallet. And I would say that outside of th- something like, uh, I don't know, Exodus, we probably have the, the easiest to use wallet and everything is integrated. So the voting, staking, uh, voting on treasury spends, it's all built in into the wallet. So and it's relatively easy to use. So in addition to that, we also have lots and lots of documentation. Um, our community is very open. So folks should you know interact with the Decred project uh, as they would and, and they should so that they can get questions answered and then they you know, get to the bottom of things. So th- those are just, you know, some of the things that I wanted to tell the folks about Decred. It's an exciting community. We are going to be around for a long time. So, uh, you know, c- come say hi. Uh, so, and one other, an additional thing. Uh, so I don't know if this comes on time, but uh, Monday about on the, what is it? The Just Hodlet Party. Uh, I want to say it's like at 6.30 or so is when it starts. And it's a not official South by Southwest, but it is during South by Southwest we are going to have a whole bunch of local folks here in Austin that are going to show up and talk about their respective projects. And there are going to be some panels. And there's going to be folks like Jared Tate from Digibyte, uh, Paul Snow from Factum. Um, there's going to be some folks from Stellar. Um, uh, there's several more that are going to show up. So some large projects that are all local to Austin are going to be there. And we're going to have a, you know, we're going to have a fun couple of panels, talk about a couple of things, and then epic party afterwards. So if anybody wants to go to that, sign up, uh, go to Eventbrite and, and search for the Just Hoddle at Party. And I think I have said all the things I wanted to say. And uh, how can people uh, reach you? What, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Uh, so me personally, Twitter is an easy way to get a hold of me. So it's Marco underscore Peerboom. Uh, or you can email me. At, uh, I'm, I'm easy to find on the internet. So uh, if you go to decred.org, 
There are links at the bottom of the page that tell you, you know, how to get to GitHub, how to get to Slack, although we have been migrating from Slack to, to Riot or Matrix. Um, so, but th that is the easiest way of getting a hold of people is basically using, uh, you know, Matrix Riot or Riot Matrix. I don't even know what it's called. All right. And I will, uh, in the show notes on, if you go to digitalcrypto.com slash episode or EP26, you will see all the uh, links to the various Twitter accounts that we've mentioned, as well as uh, uh, the decred.org site and pretty much everything else that we've mentioned here. And, and once again, Marco, I, I really appreciate you coming on. I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you.